Uh, I got to say, uh, I've been really looking forward to being with you guys tonight. And um, is this a bit echoey for you? We doing all right? Cool. But I got to meet uh, this morning. I met with the city south at Tilopia Park, and we were joined by all the protesters, and they joined the service with us this morning. It was it was really good. True story. So all the caravans turned up and the vans, and we all sat around and had a service together. It was so good. And they brought out a big chessboard uh, in the middle, set it up in the middle of church, and we played chess at the end. So. It was a fantastic day. It was really good. But I've got to say, I brought a similar message there this morning. But to be honest with you, I've been so excited to share what God has given me for you this week. And um, as Ryan already talked about, our series for the season is Upside Down Kingdom. And that God's kingdom is not always the same as the world that we live in. In fact, sometimes it's counterculture. And Josh shared that uh, last week in the messages. So tonight I want to talk about one thing that is different in God's kingdom than it is in the world that we live in. And it's found in John chapter 8, verse 1. Now, I'm only going to go for 15 minutes today because I want you guys to uh, go out and have dinner with one another, have some fun. But before we do that, we're going to give God some time just to speak into our hearts. And in John chapter 8, verse 1, it says this, Jesus returned to the mountain of olives, but early the next morning, he went back again to the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says that we must stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into doing something that they could hold against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer and he stood up again and said, Right, let the one of you who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't any of them, did, didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Father, we want to thank you for this message. We want to thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that your word is still relevant today. Even though it was written 2,000 years ago, it can speak to us. And it can speak to us tonight. So we open our hearts and our minds over the next 15 minutes, Lord, and we say, have your way. Do what only you can do. I pray people would hear your words tonight and not hear mine and help me to deliver what you put on my heart. We give you space to move in Jesus' name. Amen. If I had a title of what I want to share with you tonight, it's this. Remember, we're talking about the upside down kingdom. The title is this. Others will run from you in your mess, but Jesus will stand with you in it. I'll say it one more time because it's pretty powerful. Others will run from you in your mess, but Jesus will stand with you in it. There's this guy, and I'll put that picture up, please, uh, Naomi. You might recognize him when the photo goes up. His name's Lance Armstrong. He was one of the world champion race cyclists. He won the Tour of France seven years in a row. In 1996, he fought testicular cancer and he beat it. 
And from there, he founded a charity called the Lance Armstrong Foundation, where he raised $500 million to go towards cancer research. That's pretty incredible, $500 million. In 2012, he was accused for taking performance-enhancing drugs. And in 2013, he finally admitted his use. After he was exposed, the charity that he founded cut him off and didn't want anything to do with him. In fact, kicked him out and changed the name to the Livestrong Foundation. Nike was his major sponsor and the moment he came out and confessed that he was a drug user, they stepped away from him, taking away all sponsorship deals and wanted nothing to do with him. Now, I'm not saying what he did was right. But what I'm saying is when he was exposed, the ones that were with him, standing next to him, who loved him, that were championing him on, thought he was amazing, all of a sudden he turns around and not one of them has left standing. In fact, they all abandoned him. You could be one of the most loved people in this world, but we live in a culture that demands perfection. No matter how much good you do, once you are exposed, people will run from your mess. Not everyone, but the culture in the world we live in says that they do. This is a story about a woman. It says a woman that was caught in the act of adultery that was brought in front of a crowd. What do we know about this woman? Because sometimes we can read these stories and just quickly pass over and not give it a second thought. But this week, I just sat down with this scripture and my mind went crazy as I began to think about this poor, poor woman. What do we know about her? She was a woman, one. She was brought in in front of Jesus and accused of having sex in front of the crowd outside of a marriage. She was caught in the act of adultery. The woman was exposed in her sins. She was caught. She was dragged in front of the crowds. I just feel for this woman. We've all done things that we regret. But the thing that she did caused her to get dragged out in front of the crowd and in front of Jesus, the one that people were gathering to hear from, who claimed to be the Son of God. This poor, poor woman. I began to think, if she was caught in the act of adultery, was this woman still naked? Did they drag this woman out of where she was and bring her in front of the crowds totally naked? I began to picture what she might be doing in the midst of this crowd, whether she's looking at the ground because every eyes are on her and looking at her in disgust because people are accusing her of something. Was it a setup? Did the Pharisees and the religious teachers want to just make a point so they set this woman up and then dragged her in? And where was the other person involved in the act? Why was it just the woman? These are the things that are going through my head. Sometimes the things that are done in private get exposed in the public. Not always, but sometimes. And along with this story of this woman, I want to share a bit of my story. Three years ago, I decided to go to the doctor for a medical checkup. I got my bloods done. I just, just do that every now and then just to check that everything's functioning okay. My doctor is awesome. She's been my doctor for about 10 years now. She said, after she did all the tests and, and sent me away for the blood, she said, how are you doing? I said, I'm good. Great. So how are your kids doing? I said, they're great. Excellent. 
everything's happy, I'm good. And she said, I'm going to give you a uh, referral to go visit a counsellor. Just do it for my sake. And as soon as she said that, I thought, oh, no, I'm about to be exposed. Because three years ago, I walked around like everything was good on the inside because I just showed it on the outside. But nobody knew that I was struggling to get up in the morning to go to work. No one knew that I was struggling with my mental health. No one, no one knew that I had an anger issue going out. All I wanted to do was get in a fight. You see, I joined a mixed basketball comp where there's 16-year-olds up to about 50-year-olds and we all played mixed with girls and guys. I'd preach at church on the Sunday, but the Saturday before, I'd be in a punch-up on the basketball court because I couldn't control my anger. But that 16-year-old kid had it coming to him. And I won. I was in three fights within a space of six weeks. Some of my mates said, dude, what's, what's going on? And I said, no, it's all good, I'm fine. So when the doctor said, I want you to go visit this counsellor, I just thought, I'm about to be exposed. This woman was exposed. She didn't go into the situation thinking that anyone was going to find out about it. She went into it, I suppose, because that's what she wanted to do. But yet, the worst case scenario happens and she's dragged in front of Jesus. And the thing that I want to focus on tonight is, with this upside-down kingdom, what did Jesus do in response to this situation? It says in verse 6, after they accused her and said, Jesus, what would you do? The law says to stone this person. What do you think you should do? It says, Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Jesus stooped down. He got down on his hands and knees and he began to write in the dust in the temple floor. What was he writing? I've got no idea. Some people say he began to write sins down, people's sins down. He could have just been doing it to distract the people from looking at this poor woman that may have been naked with all the eyes and attention on her. And out of compassion, he begins to take the attention off her and puts it on himself as he writes in the dust in the ground. I really don't know what he was doing down there. But one thing I do know is this. I know what the culture of the day was like. See, I went for a run or most days this week I've been running around Lake Burley Griffin. And honestly, it is just absolutely magic. The footpaths are clean, the sky is out, oh, the sky is out, it's out every day. <laughs> the sun is out, the birds are singing, it's beautiful. I'm sounding old now. But I can go and not step in any dog poo because people walk their dogs with the little pooper bags and they pick up their bag, they, they do their stuff and business and it's clean. Back in the day, there was no cars, there was no bikes, the way of transportation were the roads and the paths with their animals, their camels, their donkeys, their goats, their sheep, and the roads were covered with dust and animal waste everywhere. So everywhere people walked, they would have stepped in something. That was the culture of the day. So as people walked into the temple, whether they took their sandals off or not, they still had the remains of the path all over their feet as they walked through the temple. So when this woman, at the height of her exposure, being said she's caught in adultery, what does Jesus do? He gets down in the mess where people have trodden 
and walked in the disgust, the waste, the mess from the outside and bring it all over the temple floor. And he's not afraid to get down in the dirt. Jesus gets down in the dirt. You know, it reminds me of the story of actually Jesus coming to earth. Because Jesus is in heaven. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But when he looks down on the earth and we'd sinned and we stuffed it up as human beings and we separated our relationship with God because we sinned, what's he do? The King of kings leaves his throne on high and comes to earth. Now, I remember when Will and, um, was it Mary, Princess, was it Will and his wife, Kate, they were here in Canberra and I was coming back for a run and I saw them coming in their cars and they had all the uh, security all around them. I thought I could get up close and look through the window and give them a wave, only to discover that I got cut off by one of the vehicles and nearly crashed my car because they were there to protect but when they came, we celebrated them. We put them up in the, in the best uh, accommodation. I think they're at the Governor General's house. We put on banquets. People that came were distinguished. They, they were politicians. They were business people. People that meant something in our community sat down and had dinner because we wanted to honour the position that they had. Do you know what happened with Jesus, the King of Kings, when he comes to this earth? At the time, there was a census and everyone had to travel back to their own hometown to be counted and do a census. So they were all traveling on the roads, all the animals, all the families, and they were on the move where Mary was pregnant, ready to give birth to Jesus. And they go to an inn. As we know the story, we hear it at every Christmas time, and there's no room. And long story short, don't forget this is the King of Kings. So we've got room in the stable. Now we read that story sometimes, and we think that's nice because when we do the Christmas presentations we put like these nice cute little animals and and, and a little uh, basket like a manger where Jesus was with some really nice clean straw do you know what the manger is it's a feeding trough for animals the king of kings comes and he's Mary is giving birth in the middle of a stable where these animals have been on the road all day stinking sweating spitting pooing weeing everything and the king of kings comes to earth in a pile of mess. Now, I'm not a medical doctor. You might be able to correct me if I'm wrong here, but wait till after I finish preaching because I want people to think I'm smart. <laughs> when a lady, when a mother gives birth to a baby, they say the most important thing, the best thing the mother can do at that time is grab that baby, put the baby on the breast and start breastfeeding that baby. And it releases certain uh, chemicals and collagens and, and collagens. Is that good? no? Okay, tell me later. All right, I'll tell you later. But it seals the bond between the child and the mother, and there's a scent that the baby smells and the chemical reaction in the brain. Jesus' very first smell that he smelt when he came to Earth was a pile of crap. Was mess, and that scent stuck with him. So when this lady came in, dragged in front of everyone in this mess, it didn't bother him one bit because that is the reason why he came, to meet us in our mess. He was comfortable. He got down in the dirt, the king of kings. He got down where the poo was. He got down right in the middle of the mess with this poor woman. I go back to the doctor. 
I'd, sorry, I do my consultation with a counsellor. I think I nailed it. I had two sessions. I was supposed to do three. And I thought, to, the lady said, okay, I want you to come back for one more. And I said, sure. Already made up my mind I was never coming back again. So I cancelled the appointment two days later. And I go back to see my doctor to get my results. Thinking, everything's sweet. I nailed it. I'm not exposed. I get back to the doctor. Everything's fine. My blood tests all this. She says, great. Just before, I, before you go, I want to read this letter. She pulls out this letter from the counsellor. Basically says this, I'm very concerned about Murray and his mental health. I recommend that you medicate him straight away and don't let him leave your office. Far out. Exposed. I thought I had it covered. I thought I had my everything good on the outside. My kids didn't know anything was wrong. People close to me didn't know anything was wrong. But the counsellor saw straight through me. And I sat there in that doctor's office and went numb. And I felt exposed. They found out. They found out that I looked okay on the outside, but inside I'm a mess. I can't function properly. And the doctor says, this is what I'm going to do for you, Murray. I'm going to send you to a psychologist. And if the psychologist says you to be medicated, I want you to come back to me and we're going to medicate you. And I said, okay. Freaked out. Didn't tell a soul. Did not tell a soul. Came home freaking. Going to bed at night. I thought, what is going on in my world? I go see this psychologist who just so happens to be a Christian. And I had no idea. And I have my first session with her and I get the whole lip that quivers that you can't breathe and the snot coming out my nose as I'm sharing about what is going on inside of me. Now this psychologist does this appointment day in, day out, every single day. You think she'd become immune to it. But as I began to share my story and expose the person that I really was, I'm thinking she was going to slap me around the face and say, yep, 100%, you need medication. She says, nothing. But she sits in a seat and leans forward and begins to cry and begins to weep. And for 20 minutes, we didn't say a word and she had tears rolling down her face. I had tears rolling down my face. And she sat there in my mess and just accepted me where I was at, at that very moment. She got down in my mess. She had mercy on me, just like Jesus had mercy on this woman. So this woman was exposed, but Jesus doesn't run out on her. He sits down in her mess. And then he does this one final thing for her. It says in verse 10, Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. What did Jesus do? He stood up out of her mess and stood with her when everybody else abandoned her. Jesus, who is 100% God and 100% man, the King of Kings, now, I don't know about you, but when we have powerful political people or business people that have high positions, they are constantly trying to separate themselves from scandal. 
because they do not want to lose the position they're in or, or stop the progress of something that they're trying to achieve. So sometimes, as we know through what we've seen over the years, bribes are made, people are paid off. Also, the scandal will not expose what they have done. Jesus had done nothing wrong, and yet he's standing with a woman that did something wrong, and everyone was accusing her, wanting her to be stoned, and he said, no, I will stand with you, even if everyone else runs. He will stand with you. You know, he will stand with you. He will sit with you in your mess. He will stand with you until you're free. He will not leave you nor forsake you, it says in Deuteronomy. Not only will he get down in your mess when it's exposed, he'll be there in your stench. He'll be there in your scandal, your mental health issues, your sexuality confusion, your drug problems, your relationships, your addictions, your past and your present. He will stand with you even when everyone else will run from your mess. That's the king of kings that we serve. That's the king of the kings that came and was born in a stable full of mess and smell and odour. He's not deterred by your smell. That is the unconditional love right in the middle of your mess. After I had my first consultation with my psychologist and she wept with me and that was pretty much the first session, $200 later, She got me through a process of getting me up and picking me up out of my mess and getting me to rethink the way that I process things in my mind. But she said these words to me. I had 12 bookings from the government. The government actually paid for this for me. I had 12 consultations. And she said, Murray, I'm not going to leave you until we get through this. I'm going to stand with you, basically. She didn't say those words, but that's what she was implying. She gave me her personal number. I said, you can call me day or night. Who does that? Who does that? And she said, I will stand with you. Not only have I seen you in your mess and I've been with you in your mess and I've cried with you in your mess, now I'm committed to stand with you till you get out of it. I went back to the doctor and the psychologist gave me five lessons and I went back from lessons, consultations. And she said, no more, you're good. Keep these up your sleeve. I'm going to write a letter back to your doctor. I came out of that whole thing a new man because someone decided to see me where I was at when I was exposed and stand with me and walk through the process to get me healthy again. That's what Jesus does. So in conclusion, the woman was exposed, but Jesus didn't run from a mess. He sat in it and he stood with her and didn't abandon her. Jesus sees our mess, your mess, my mess. The the world might run from you, your friends, your family, but he won't. He loves you, he gets down in your mess, and he stands with us even when others won't. As Christians, we are called to love the broken. May we love like Jesus loved in action, by loving people in their mess, by standing with them when no one else does. And this is the story I close with, and it's found in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. I might ask Nicole if you wouldn't mind just coming back on the guitar. Thank you so much. It says this, if you're taking notes, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. When one Pharisee invited Jesus to dinner with him, 
sorry, then one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to dinner with him. He went with the Pharisees to his house and reclined at the table. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisees' table. She came in with an alabaster jar of perfume. For those who don't know, it's one of the most expensive perfumes at the time. It was worth a year's salary just to buy. And a majority of the time it was used at the wedding night when two people had kept themselves from having sex with one another until the wedding night and the bride would crack open that perfume as a, signic- as a, as a, uh, as a symbol of purity. Beautiful smell, beautiful aroma. This woman, sinful woman, comes in with an alabaster jar of perfume. She stood behind Jesus, Jesus' feet weeping. She began to wipe his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them off with her hair, kissing them and pouring perfume all over them. When the Pharisees who were invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him, what type of woman she is, that she is a sinner. This is the Son of Man, King of Kings. And a sinner has just cracked perfume and kissed Jesus all over his feet. And we come down a bit in verse 44. It says this, Then he, that is Jesus, turned to the woman and then said to Simon, Do you not see this woman? I come into this house and you do not give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me any kisses, but this woman from the time she has entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Now, if this is the type of woman that I think they're talking about, the question that goes from my mind is, where has those lips been? How many people have they kissed? What has she done with them? But yet, Jesus sees this as a beautiful act that she kisses his feet with her lips. You did not put oil on my head, but she came and poured perfume all over my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to ask among themselves, who is this that he can forgive sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Why did I share this story as I closed? Many Bible scholars believe the woman who was the adulteress at the temple that was exposed, that Jesus got down in the mess and stood up with her in her brokenness is the same woman that came to dinner that night and cracked open the perfume that was set aside for a beautiful occasion and poured it at the feet of Jesus. You see, something happens when we get down in the mess with people when we do real life with people and we don't abandon them when they're exposed because Jesus didn't abandon us because the Father sent the Son to earth to die a sinless death for us on the cross that we could be made right again. In fact, the, the verse says, God demonstrates His own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This woman's life was impacted because of the practical love that Jesus showed her. That he didn't abandon her in the time of need. That he got involved in a mess and he stood with her until she was ready to go on her way. And from that moment, he didn't tell her to do anything but turn from her ways 
But yet there was a transaction that took place where this woman could not stay away from Jesus. One minute she's getting dragged in front of him, not wanting to be there. The next minute you couldn't kick her out of the house. That's the power of Jesus Christ when he gets in your mess and stands with you in your problem. Why don't you stand with me today? I've probably gone a little bit longer. My apologies. But I just wanted to pray with you if that's okay. I just invite you, if you're comfortable, just to close your eyes. I just want to ask you a few questions. Maybe you're here tonight and you've been a Christian your whole life, but yeah, you got, like I had going on, that I didn't want my exposure to take place, that your life is a mess. Maybe it's time to let your mess be known to Jesus afresh. Maybe it's time that you expose yourself to Him, the King of Kings, that left His throne on high to be born in a a stinking, rotting stable and die on the cross for us that we could be made whole again. Maybe it's time you expose yourself to Him again. Be vulnerable. Maybe instead of running away from people's messes anymore, You need to get involved with them. You need to walk with them. You need to not let them go and maybe change your eyes, the things you view from now on and begin to care just as Jesus cared for you. Maybe it's time to stand. Father, as we're here tonight, we thank you for this amazing story of this woman that stuffed up We know we have all stuffed up, God. We have all stuffed up. But yet, you demonstrated your love for us that while we were still sinners, you died in our place. I just sense there's people here right now. You would die if people knew what was really going on in your life. I want to challenge you tonight. As everyone's got their eyes closed, no one is even looking at anybody. Maybe it's time for you to let that out of the bag. Talk to somebody you trust. Say, I'm not in a good place. Will you stand with me in my mess? Sit with me in my mess. Pray with me in my mess. Maybe it's time to allow Jesus into that situation afresh. You might be challenging with mental issues this as I did. I pray for you right now. Lord, I just pray for the peace of God, Lord, to reign over people's minds and hearts. Lord, that the mess that's in their life, Lord God, I just pray that you would teach them and show them it's okay to not be okay because you love us all the same. If you don't know Jesus, and tonight you heard me talk about this guy king of kings that came to a stable and was born and then stood in the gap for this woman that was everyone else was running away I want to tell you he will do the same for you and if you don't know Jesus I don't want you to leave this place tonight without even just speaking to someone about him feel free to come up to me or or Ryan or one of the guys one of the leaders or just come to someone say I need to know about Jesus Let us tell you about Him. 
But Lord, as we close this service, Lord, help us to love like you loved. Lord, as I drove in here tonight on the way to Canberra City, Lord God, I saw people that were lost. I saw homeless people. I saw people that were out to dinner, but all have messes going on in their lives. Help us to love people in their messes. Open our eyes that we could see them. We thank you for this time together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.